Well, you know, we're in a new series starting today. You notice the pre-roll there. It's a revival. And kind of, I just want to give you some insight into how we kind of ended up here in the middle of summer talking about revival. So about a month ago, our staff and I, we listened to a podcast. And on the podcast, there was a guy, he's a missiologist. He studies trends and cultures and all across the world about how the gospel's being spread and what's happening. And I was, I was listening to it, the Holy Spirit stirred my heart because I began to hear this message that because uh, the United States is in the situation it's in, there's this chance that we could collapse. And I'll give you the reason why. So back in 1991, the USSR, you, remember the, you guys remember the Cold War where it was the USSR and the United States? Well, you know the Soviet Union fell in the early 90s. And the United States became the sole superpower. And in that process of over about a 30-year period, God has used the fact that we're the number one power to keep peace all across the planet. And the gospel has been making huge strides. Now, not so much in America, but across the world, the church is exploding. Is that good news this morning? And so as I was listening to that, I began to, God began to stir my heart because the, the other thing he said was that... There's now China and Russia, again, wanting to be a superpower. And you know that what, what Russia just recently did, they moved on to Ukraine. That is an act of them trying to challenge America as a world power. But here's the truth about world powers. They never collapse from the outside. There's always an internal collapse from the inside out because of moral decay and because of a society that's gone the wrong direction. And so his, his view was, this is, what's, this is the case in America, that there's a, a society that's going the wrong direction. There's moral decay, and, it's, and it's, there's a challenge to us as the church of Jesus Christ to have a stirring and a revival in our hearts. And so I got stirred up, and I began to research past revivals. And one of the things that I discovered in every one of them, there was three things that happened. Number one, there was an awareness by the church that something needed to change, that society was headed the wrong direction. That was the first thing that happened. Number two, what do you think they did next? They hit their knees. They began to make prayer a priority. They began to pray fervently for revival. And guess what happened? Number three, God always moved. And because of him moving, there was this huge change that happened. And it wasn't just in the spiritual realm. We know our, our weapons are, are not carnal, right? Prayer's a, a spiritual weapon. There is a war in the heavenlies. But how many know there's a physical thing that happens? And so when their hearts were stirred by prayer and God moved, they began to make changes in their society. There became social change. So here's what happened. Well, let me just... before. Before I, I do that, let me just ask you a couple of questions. How do you feel about the direction our nation's going right now? Is anybody concerned? I'm concerned. And so I believe that he was on point when he said there's a need for revival. Because here's the truth. There's been, in the last few weeks, a school shooting, a shooting in a hospital. I think there's been one other one somewhere else. Right? There's been upheaval and chaos, there's, uh, 
there's an embracing of non-biblical lifestyles. Amen? There's this breakdown of the family. The nuclear family has been a target, right? There's a lot of homes where there's no dad or no mom. And the breakdown of the nuclear family has caused, really, truly, if we just face it, the reality, it's caused trauma for our kids. And so, would you agree that there's a need for something to change, that our society's heading in the wrong direction? And so, the first step was awareness, right? What was the second step? Prayer. So, here's the challenge. As we walk through this message today, I'm going to challenge you. Let's, let's not make this rocket science. Let's simplify this and say, here is the key to revival. Now, whenever there was a renewal, in, historically, as I was reading, there was always an a, a uptick of devotion for the kingdom of God to expand, the church to expand, and churches and cities and nations were all impacted by revivals. And compassion for the sick Compassion for those who were less fortunate, the poor, all ramped up, and the church began to step up and meet those needs. People began to be prayed for that were sick and be healed. Amen? Doctors, nurses began to help build hospitals and clinics for the people to go to to get, to get care. The homeless was cared for. There was uh, praying for those who were addicted to drugs and, and alcohol and all of the things, they would pray for them and they would be delivered. So the spiritual realm began to impact the physical realm. Are y'all with me so far? And so here's, here's the, the plea for us today. Let's connect the spiritual element of prayer and seeking the face of God so that God can empower his church and stir his church up so we can make an impact beyond these four walls. Amen? And this is what we're calling for today, that God is stirring our hearts. The Holy Spirit is stirring us to help people get free. Does anybody know somebody who needs to be free today? A neighbor, a family member, a coworker. The power of the Holy Spirit is the key to their freedom. Amen? And so today, that's what I want to do. I want to set for you a formula for revival, and I want us to see and look into the early church as an example of what revival looks like. So if you've, been, if you've ever studied the book of Acts, you understand that, that Jesus had met with his disciples prior to his death and resurrection, and he told them in John 14, 15, and 16, he says, I'm sending you a comforter. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be with you, and he's going to be in you. Amen? And here's what he promised. He said, when he comes, he's going to lead you into all truth. But here's something else he said. Acts 1.8. Let's read it together. Acts 1.8. It says, and when, but you will receive power when. What happens? When the Holy Spirit comes on you, right, and you will be my witnesses. Now, notice what he says. Jerusalem. That's our city. That's Woodstock, Canton, Roswell, Ackworth. That's our city. But he didn't stop there, did he? What did he say? In all Judea and Samaria. That's our nation. How many of you love the United States? How many of you want to see the United States revived? Something a major, a spiritual awakening. But he didn't stop there, did he? What did he say? And to the 
ends of the earth. That means Africa, Asia, Australia, Europe, North America, South America, all these nations, all these continents experiencing the Holy Spirit. Is that not the heart of the church, folks? Is that what we were supposed to be doing anyway? Because Jesus, in that moment with his disciples, after his resurrection, here's what he said. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. This is what the church is supposed to have been doing for 2,000 years. It's an opportunity for you and I to make an impact. How many of you want to make that kind of impact? So this key to revival, awareness. Things aren't going well, are they? That's our first step. How many of you are aware of that? What's your second step? Come on, help me. What if the church of Jesus Christ got on our knees and we fervently sought the face of God? What could happen, folks? The same thing that happened in all the prior revivals, the Holy Spirit would move and the church is impacted. Amen. So I want to show you this church that's in revival. It's called the early church, Acts chapter 1 and 2. And I want you to notice what happened, the results of him moving. The first thing that they did, Acts chapter 1, verse 14, guess what they were doing? Watch this. They all joined. Everybody say all. What did they do? They were praying every once in a while. Maybe on Sunday mornings, just Sunday mornings, you know, whenever the pastor's praying. No, what did it say? Constantly they were praying. They were seeking the face of God. That's Acts chapter 1. This is before the promise of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, I want you to see this. Because they prayed, what happened? Let's read it. You'll see it. What happened? Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. What were they doing? They were praying. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Now, was it really suddenly? Not really. Why? Because they had been seeking the face of God. Now, it seems suddenly, but God was moving the moment they said something. The moment they prayed the prayer, he started moving, but it seemed like a suddenly. Amen? Here's what happened. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and separated and came and rest on each of them. All of them, next verse, all of them were what? Filled, filled with, with what? The Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So what happened? They prayed. And then what did the Holy Spirit do? He began to move. And when he began to move, things started happening. So, you guys remember Peter? How many of you know who Peter is? One of Christ's original 12. Peter who always stuck his foot in his mouth, who always spoke before he thought. Anybody, you know anybody like that? Good old Peter who loved the taste of leather. On the night that Jesus was arrested, he denied that he knew Jesus three times, right? And then, on the day of Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit was poured out, this same guy stands up in front of the whole city, the city of Jerusalem, 
People from every walks of life, different nationalities, they're here for this celebration of Pentecost, right? And he stands up and he begins to preach a message, a gospel message. And the Bible says there in Acts 2, it says that he talked about how that, that he recognized that the prophet Joel in the Old Testament prophesied that this day would come, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out, that old men would see visions and, and young men would dream dreams, right? That's what he said. He said, guys, this in your seeing, what you're seeing right now is a prophecy fulfilled. And then he began to tell how David prophesied years before, hundreds of years before, that there would be a Messiah who would come and give his life and walk out of the tomb. That was the message. It was a gospel message. And remember, he's among people who, who were Jews, Gentiles, all alike, and they're hearing this message of the gospel. Now, I want you to see this. Watch their response. Verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel. Who's he talking to right there? Israel. His fellow Jews. And watch this. Be assured of this. God has made this Jesus. And notice what he says. Whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, Think about that for a second. That's a, lot, that's a bold move, right? The guy you crucified, God has made both Lord and Messiah. Most people would probably say, that's a slap in the face, especially religious people, right? How many of you agree? Now watch, what their, watch their response. This is amazing. When the people heard this, what happened? They were cut to the heart. In other words, the Holy Spirit got a hold of here, and instead of be being defensive and saying, you don't know what you're talking about, Peter, what was, their, what was their response? Brothers, what shall we do? What was the difference? The same Peter that said, I don't know him, preaches a message, and people come to faith in Christ. Who's the difference? Come on, somebody said, I heard it. Who was it? The Holy Spirit was the difference maker. He made a, a, a man who was afraid and betrayed bold. And what happened? The people, their hearts were touched and changed. It wasn't an emotional experience. The gospel made a, a difference in their heart. And they asked the question, what I need, what, what's next? What's my next step? Here's what he says. Next verse. Peter replied, I'll tell you, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Folks, what's the difference? The gospel is the difference through the power of the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me so far? I'm talking about a church that's in revival. The difference maker is the Holy Spirit. Now watch what he says. He continues to say, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God would call, will call. Folks, the Holy Spirit is the key to revival. Amen? Now watch this. Verse 40, uh, verse 40 next, the next verse, next, 40, is it 41? Those who accepted this message, watch this. What did they do? They got baptized. And then what happened? 3,000 people 
came to faith in Christ on one day because one guy, full of the Holy Spirit, preached a gospel message. Is God a respecter of persons? Not at all. Can he use you that way? Absolutely he can. Because all he's looking for is a person who would say, I need the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled and empowered with boldness to preach this gospel. How many of you say, I want, I want that. I want to be like that today. This is the key to revival. I'm giving you a formula for revival. Remember, awareness. Something needs to change. Prayer. And then what does God do? Say it with me. Awareness. Prayer. God moves. That's it. This is exactly what we need, amen, in our hour. I love this because it goes from the spiritual to the physical. So the story doesn't end in Acts 2. Peter preaches a message. People get, get baptized. They get saved and get baptized. They're part of the body of Christ. The church was birthed that day. And then it went into this physical meeting of stuff. So watch this, verse 42. And I want you to notice a church that's in revival. Number one, what did they do? They devoted, back, yeah. they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, you realize that in that moment, they didn't have the New Testament. They were living the New Testament, right? They did have the Old Testament, but they didn't have the New Testament. But the Holy Spirit was already inspiring the apostles and what would eventually be written down as the New Testament, they're already teaching. And so people are leaning into this Spirit-inspired message. In other words, they were making the Word of God a priority. And then it says, they devoted themselves to fellowship. There was community. How many of you enjoy hanging out with other folks? I do. I love being around people. I love having a, a group in my house eating together and hang, hanging out. What, maybe uh, having some B-dubs and watching some football. Amen? How I many you enjoy that? That's what they were doing. It says they were committed to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Now, breaking of bread was, was a, a, just a, a symbolism of them just hanging out and eating together. And the, the, the amazing thing about this, remember, it's Jews and Gentiles together. Well, pastor, what's significant about that? Well, prior to Jesus, Jews and Gentiles didn't hang out. As a matter of fact, they were at odds. And there was something powerful and uniting about the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. It united a church to hang out together. And so when, when, you, when you saw Jews saying, hey, you know, to a Gentile, come on, we'll go eat some B-dubs together. That's amazing. Only the Spirit of God could do that. Amen? You see a church in revival? You see how practical it is. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and, and to prayer. Prayer is always going to be a priority of a church that's thriving. Amen? I'll say it this way. A fervent church that's praying fervently will, will see God move. I should have got a better amen than that. A, ch a church that's fervently praying will see God move. Amen. It says everyone was filled with awe and many signs and wonders 
that were performed by the apostles. When the Holy Spirit moves, some amazing things, some supernatural things start happening, right? People start getting healed. Addictions are start, start to break. Why? Not something we manufactured. Who was it? The Holy Spirit. Amen. And some people will say, well, he stopped moving that way. Let me tell you, he hasn't stopped moving. The Holy Spirit, Spirit still heals. The, whole, the Holy Spirit still sets people free. Amen. Amen. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, I want you to see how practical this is. Watch this. And go, go to the next verse. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who was in need. That's comparable to me saying, you know what? I love my iPad. But that person over there needs some groceries. So what am I going to do? I'm going to put this on Amazon or, or Marketplace. And I'm going to sell it so I can go help them. You, you see what I'm saying? It might even be the, the place where, hey, you know what? I got this car. I love my car. But God's prompting me. This, this family over here is about to lose their home. Let me go sell my car so I can help them out. You follow me? And the reason is, is because the Holy Spirit was putting together a church that was family. I don't know if you feel like that or not, but I feel like this church, I feel like you're my family. You feel the same way? And so they, would, they didn't have a problem with selling something to help a brother that was in need, amen? This is revival, folks. This is what the Holy Spirit does in the hearts of people. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Oh, we went, we went back, didn't we? Are we no, where we are? Am I lost my place? Yeah, go, okay, yeah, there we go. Now, go one more over. We're, we're, there we go. Every day, that is right. My goodness. I'm, Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying what? Favor. And watch what the Holy Spirit continues to do. They added Every single day, they added to the church those who are being saved. I have just shown you a church that's in revival. What was it? What was it about this church that caused the Holy Spirit to move? Remember, awareness. Y'all help me today, folks. Awareness. Something needs to change. Secondly, I'm so, I'm so stirred by it. I'm so concerned about it. I'm so broken over it that I hit my knees and I begin to pray. And because God sees my heart, the fervency of my heart, he says, listen, that's a person, that's a church that, that wants me to move. I'm going to move because I promise to. And then you begin to see all of these things emerge. It's a formula for revival. So what were they devoted to? Let's just break this down. I'm going to get real practical right here. Number one, they were devoted to studying God's Word, right? When you engage with God's Word, you begin to see God for who He really is, that He's gracious. Anybody glad He's gracious today? That He's merciful, that He's a just God, that He's a good God, that He's a providing God. Come on, can I, can I keep going? That He's a healing God. Amen. They studied God's word because the word of God changes you from the inside out. Number two, 
they experienced community. They made getting together and fellowshipping and hanging out together, they made it a priority. Number three, prayer. They pressed into God. They made prayer such a, a part of their lives that the Holy Spirit began to move. Number four, they met physical needs. They were devoted to each other, making sure that the people they loved were cared for. Number five, they worshiped together. The Bible says they were meeting regularly to, to worship God, to, to make his name famous, to, to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Are you glad that's why we meet together today, that we're not meeting here to see each other? What do we want to see? We want to exalt the name of Jesus. Can we give him praise right now? We want to exalt his name. Amen. That's why we come together. Amen. Number six, they weren't ashamed to share the gospel. They told people about the saving knowledge of Christ. They told people that Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death on the cross, and walked out of the tomb. Amen? This, my friends, is the catalyst to get revival and keep revival. When the church embraces fervent prayer and then, and then takes action, we can change the world. That's revival. Acts 2 is a formula for revival. Can I give you some good news? Don't we need some good news this morning? Here's the good news. This church is committed to all those things. We make prayer a priority at Full Life Church. We are prayer driven. Let me, let me give you some examples. We, the first Saturday of every month, we meet together in this room to seek the face of God, to pray. We have first Saturday prayer. We have a life group that meets every Wednesday to pray. Every request that you turn in on your Connect card, they're praying over every Wednesday. And then two times a year, we set aside 21 days to pray and fast. Why? Because we know that prayer precedes a move of God. Amen? That's why we pray. But that's not the only thing we embrace. Number two, we embrace God's Word. We're grounded in the Word. Our life groups are set apart for that reason, for you to engage in the Word of God because the idea is for you to grow into a mature disciple of Jesus and that you're going to make disciples of Jesus. And so, that's why we have our life groups, so you can engage the Word of God because the Word of God will mature you and grow you. Amen. Number three, we experience community. Again, our life groups, that's what they're set up for. They're set up for you to, to experience authentic relationships, for you to do life together with people that are like-minded, that, that have this, maybe the same season of life you're in, and to hold you and be a source of accountability for you for your spiritual growth. How many of you want to embrace community? Number four, we meet the needs of others inside and outside the church. There are people in this room, you know our heart for, for that. We've helped you. And then on the outside, every single month, here's what we do. We gather here on the campus, never alone. They bring their food boxes, and we distribute food to those in need. If you've ever done that, and you've seen some of these people that come through, it'll break your heart. Some of them, I, I believe it, they're one missed payment away from being homeless. 
The condition of their vehicle tells me they don't even have the, vehicle, the money to service the vehicle. I'm here to tell you, folks, God has called us to meet their needs, to minister the love of Jesus to them. We're a church that embraces helping the community, helping the poor that are in need. Number five, we make worship a priority. Every Sunday morning, we gather in this room to, to exalt him. Amen? Number six, we embrace the next generation. We are next generation focused, folks. Amen? We believe that the next generation can have a great impact. That full of the Holy Spirit, this next generation can change the world. Do you agree today? How many of you are parents in here? Grandparents? Do you believe your child or your grandchild has what it takes to be a world changer? We do too. We do too. And we want to partner with you. We want to lock arms with you and believe that. And that's why we invest time, we invest resources into your kids because we believe that God can use this next generation. And that's why I want to challenge you to invest in them. To be a, a parent or somebody who wants to see this next generation be sold out followers of Jesus. The perfect opportunity for you to start this is in a few weeks when we do mega sports camp. Five days, and I get it. It's hard. You come from work, you're coming in on two wheels, you eat a piece of pizza, and you, and you really deal with a, a, a kid, you know, sweaty kid, snotty kid, whatever, for two hours or three hours. Can I tell you, only heaven will so, show you that payback. Amen? That's the kind of investment that you're making. That's revival, folks, and we're committed to that. So I want to do this real quick. I want to challenge you. To embrace the life of this church. Now, here's some harsh reality of, of all this. We present all those opportunities for you. An opportunity to serve. An opportunity to make a difference. To pray. To worship. And although we offer these things, there are some who will not engage. Even when the opportunity comes. So here's my challenge. Those of you who are watching us online, those of you in this room, if all you've been doing up to this point has been engaging in Sunday service, I want to challenge you until the end of the year to engage in fully into the life of our church. Come to First Saturday Prayer. Get involved in that prayer small group. Help us with Never Alone. When you come, come to church. Make it more than just once or twice a month. Maybe go to three times a month. How's that? And I guarantee you, by the end of the year, if you engage that way, I promise you, you'll start living a full life in Christ. Amen? God could very well send revival to you personally. Amen? So that's my challenge. Six months. We have, I think somebody told me, it's funny because between services, somebody gave me the exact amount of days we have left in this year. So I'll share that with you because he took the time to tell me. You have 206 days left in 2022. Engage in the life of our church and watch what God does. Amen?
Can I also say this? If you're hungry enough and you're thirsty enough, God can send revival right here in this room. Amen? Because not only, it's not just about Full Life Church. It's not just about Woodstock, Georgia, or Canton, Georgia, or Kennesaw, Georgia. It's, it's about the United States of America. How many of you know our country needs us? Our country needs us in this hour. They need us. They don't need another political rally. And I'm not trying to get political. What they need for us to do as the church, they need us to get on our knees. They need us to dive into God's word. They need us to pray. They need us to worship. They need a church that's on fire for God. Amen? That's what they need. Here's the problem. Over the last few years, I feel like that the church, we, I think we've missed it. Because we weren't up on our job, people began to look to the government as their source of help. When they should be looking to the church. I'm stepping on some toes this morning. That's okay. Because what God intended for the church to be is a source of life, change, and help for everybody. And what I feel like God's calling us back to is if we'll pray, if we'll dive into God's word, if we'll get into a group, if we'll grow, we can heed this mandate that Christ gave us to go into all the world and make disciples. But here's the key. We cannot, listen to your pastor, we cannot manufacture it. It has to be a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When does he move? Remember, when does he move? We're aware Something needs to change. What do we do? We hit our knees, and then God moves. That's what we need. And I think as we do that, God will give the church bigger influence in the world, and especially in our nation. You see, Paul Here's how he said it in Ephesians 3.10. Watch what this, this is the heart of God. His intent was that now, through the government, what did he say? Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What's God's intention? To use the church to influence now, you notice it says rulers and authorities. It's not just in the heavenly realms, folks. Yes, it's there. There's a spiritual warfare. We're, we're, we're going against, we're warring against Satan's kingdom for sure. It's a spiritual battle, but it's not just a spiritual battle because the, the spiritual manifests in the physical. And so what he's saying is if the church will step up and pray and experience revival, we can change things. Amen. Folks, listen, you realize that in, in November, we've got an election coming up. What if we prayed and asked God to move? Could he do that? Could he change things in our country if we'll pray? Obviously, you need to get out and vote. 
If you've not registered to vote, go ahead and do that because that's another responsibility that you have. But your greatest weapon is on your knees. Amen. So God has called us to, to make known the manifold wisdom of God. You know what that, all that is is? It's the gospel message. Remember the mystery that Paul talks about? Here's what it is. It's Jews and Gentiles alike believing on the Lord Jesus for salvation and coming together as a unified body and making a difference. That's the manifold wisdom of God. Amen? What if a church did that? What if we embraced that? What could happen? You might see your family members come to faith in Christ. You might see that person you've been praying for for years come to faith in Christ. You might see things change in our society because we've embraced this idea of revival. So what's your response today? Remember my challenge? How many days? 206. That's how many days that I'm challenging you to embrace the life of the church. Number one, here's, here's what you're going to do. You're going to pray. Not just individually, but corporately. Let's get together on Saturday mornings. Let's get together on Wednesday nights, and let's seek the face of God. Amen? Number two, let's study God's Word. Let's dive in headlong into God's Word. Get into a group. You know, this summer, we're doing these serve groups. You can make a difference. Amen? If you'll get involved in one. Yesterday was cool because... Me and Josh and Lori and Crystal, we went to J.B. Owens Park, and we, we just were out there doing crafts with the kids and having conversations with people. Folks, here, here's the truth. If you'll make the effort to do that, I believe God will give you uh, divine assignments. He will give you a God, a God moment there with somebody. But if you, don't, if you don't engage in it, it can't happen. Are y'all with me so far? So we're going to dive into God's Word. We're going to get in, into a group. We're going to actively participate. The next time Never Alone comes around, sign up. I'd love for us to say, you know what? we got so many people signed up for Never Alone. we got to do something else because there's just too many people here. And we find something else for you to do that day. I'm talking about a church in revival. Amen? Number four, oh, number five, excuse me. Attend worship regularly. As I said a few minutes ago, if you're only coming once or twice a month, make it three. See what God will do because when we reverence Him, when we make corporate worship a priority, where we lift up His name, where we worship together, He can speak to us. He can move in our hearts. Amen? Number six, reach your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, and family members by sharing this message of the gospel. And then lastly, invest in the next generation. Like I said a few minutes ago, mega camp's coming up. You can sign up. Here's what I want you to How many of you have a smartphone with you today? Y'all, mm, come on now. I know you got it with you because some of you have been like, Facebook. <laughs> Hold it up. Hold it up. How many of you have, already have the Church Center app on your phone? Amen. Thank you. If you haven't, right now, download it. And then I want you to go ahead and sign up for a, a serve group. And I want you to go ahead and sign up for Mega Sports Camp today to volunteer. As I'm speaking, 
go ahead and do it. Amen? I'm talking about a church in revival. There's an opportunity before us, folks. We can, we can keep going our same way in, in our comfort, or we can get hungry, or we can see the hurt around us. We can see the need around us and say, something's got to change. And then it's not rocket science, folks. What's the next step? Come on, you've been hearing it this whole message. I need you. I need you. Who would say that? God, I need you. I want to see my my city impacted with the gospel. I want to see my nation turned around. I want to see the world change. Is that anybody else's heart this morning? If that's you, I want you to stand. I want you to come join me up front. Thank you for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this moment to greatly impact your life. We invite you to live fully alive in Christ with us here at Full Life Church. We'll see you next week.